attention, please. This is The Drive with Josh Graham podcast. Tune into The Drive 3 until 6 p.m. weekdays on the Sports Hub. I love it. It's brilliant. I'm in Raleigh for the Canes tonight. Des and intern Aaron are back in the triad. And before we get to tonight's game three, we have a massive headline for this week that deserves our complete undivided attention. Vince Carter plans to return for a 22nd season in the NBA next year. Let me put that in perspective for you. Zion Williamson was born in July of 2000. Over two years before that, Vince Carter was drafted into the NBA. Vince Carter was born in January of 1977. Later that spring, Portland won the NBA championship behind Dr. Jack Ramsey and Bill Walton. Desmond Johnson was in high school when Vince Carter was drafted. Do I have that right? No, you don't. <laughs> I graduated in 96. Ah, so right, you were about two at UNC Greensboro. Yeah, but I was in high school for most of his uh, collegiate career and his beginnings in uh, Toronto. Vinsanity would have been right after I left. Michael Jordan was one of the most beloved athletes in this country, maybe the most beloved athlete for a good decade, pretty much the entire 90s. But if we set the the range in the post-Michael Jordan era in the NBA – where does Vince Carter belong in terms of the most beloved players in the league? When I think about beloved players of the last 20 years, I think Vince first, but I also think Shaquille O'Neal, Dwayne Wade, and Dirk Nowitzki belong in that conversation. I didn't start thinking about Vince in this context until I actually went to watch him in person. I was out in Los Angeles. The Clippers were playing the Sacramento Kings, and... Vince Carter, this was last season, not this past season, but the one uh, before that. He's playing for the Sacramento Kings, and he's actually starting games for Sacramento at the age of 41 two years ago. And he wasn't starting that night. Turns out they were playing LeBron's Cavs the next night. They didn't want him playing back-to-backs. So in the second half of this game, remember, it's in Los Angeles. Everybody in the arena, it seemed like, was heckling the head coach of the Kings to put Vince Carter into the game. Everybody wanted to see Vince at 41. When you think beloved players in the NBA in the post-Michael Jordan era, who comes to mind first? 336-777-1600, the phone number. You can tweet the show at Sports Hub Triad. The drive today, not being broadcast live in the law offices of Timothy D. Wellborn Studios, but you can learn more about Tim Wellborn, who will take care of you at timwellborn.com. You know, you'll know when you need us. Brian Geisinger will be here in just a bit. Then we'll share with Darren Vaught. We're sharing with Darren Vaught here on a Wednesday afternoon. When you think beloved players in the NBA after Jordan, who immediately comes to mind for you, Des? Beloved by the fans or beloved by the players? Does that provide different answers yeah I think it does because you mentioned Dirk and I think Dirk is more beloved by the the players than the fans like I don't know if he ever really got to that uh well I know he didn't get to that I don't know I think there's so many people so many people coming into the league circa 2008 through 2012 who probably got into basketball 
because of insanity and the way that he dunked. He he was maybe one of the most popular people that incoming NBA players followed during that stretch of time, that five-year stretch. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, Vince Carter is in my top five of favorite all uh, NBA players ever, you know, with Michael Jordan, Kobe Bryant, LeBron, and Magic Johnson. So, I mean, Vince is in that top five securely for me and it probably won't get bumped for any time anytime soon. Um, we're talking about a guy that basically destroyed the slam dunk contest for a good, I don't know, four or five years, maybe a little He's bit longer. He's the best in-game dunker ever. Oh, You're mentioning far. the All-Star contest. He's the best in-game dunker ever. When I'm starting to think about who else belongs in that discussion, maybe Michael, but then I put Michael in the same group as Dominique Wilkins, Kobe, and Dr. J, which I think is a, a, a rung right below where Vince Carter was at, and it all starts with that dunk he had in the Olympics. Yeah. So that's something we could certainly get to as well with Vince. I just find it fascinating that this guy the way that he played ball is still in the league, and he's not a bad player. He's evolution, uh, evolutionized his game where he's not playing a lot of minutes, but when he's in, he's actually pretty efficient, shooting over 40%, 39% from three. He only plays about 17, 18 minutes now, averages seven or eight points a game, but that's good enough, especially with his name as well and the experience he brings for a team like the Atlanta Hawks, who he played for a year ago, to bring him back for another season, I think. Well, yeah. The Carol. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, what do you got? I was just gonna say he changed. I was gonna echo what you were saying. He changed his game. He's he became more of a three point shooter the older he got, and people don't realize how many uh, attempts that he has in terms of all time NBA. He's ranked number six overall in terms of three point attempts uh, or th- excuse me, three pointers made. Uh, Two thousand two hundred twenty nine. Ray Allen's number one at twenty nine seventy three. So I mean, he's. He, he changed his game in terms of what he was known for the first half of it, and then the, I guess the last 10 years or so, he's become more of a, a three-point threat, which you wouldn't have really thought of if Vince Carter coming out of college. The Carolina Hurricanes tonight will be facing the New York Islanders. If you want in on beloved NBA players that you would put up against Vince Carter in the last 20 years, 336-777-1600, the way to do so. If the Carolina Hurricanes win tonight, this series is over. It would put Carolina up three games to nothing. Two of the next three games after tonight will be inside PNC Arena if necessary. The NHL playoffs are weird. Same format as the NBA, but most years in the NBA, the favored teams will advance at least in the first round. I think the entire first round in the NBA was chalk. The favored team the higher-seeded team advanced. Meanwhile, in the NHL, for the first time, I think, ever, every single division champ lost in the NHL this year. So I acknowledge the NHL playoffs are weird. In the last two years, we've seen 3-0 series leads blown. We've seen it twice in the last five years. But the New York Islanders aren't a team built to erase that kind of deficit. Not much playoff experience on this roster. They're a low-scoring team. I thought it was a bad matchup for them to face the Carolina Hurricanes, who dictate their game very well on the opposition. We saw that with the way they shut down Alex Oveshkin and really stifled a team with many superstar scorers, not even allowing them to attempt many shots. I think it was a bad matchup for the Islanders because the Hurricanes can out-gritty 
New York, and New York hasn't faced many teams that are willing to play that way. So if you're Carolina and you're Rob Brindamore walking into that locker room tonight before a packed crowd inside PNC Arena, the, the expression needs to be sell out for today, sell out to win tonight. You won't have Peter Morazic if you're Rod Brindamore. Curtis McElhaney, who came in in relief in Game 2, the win in New York, uh, in Brooklyn. He's going to be in net tonight. You're going to be without Trevor Van Riemsdyk, who got hurt in that game. You're going to be without Michael Furland, at least for this game, but he might be back for Game 4. Good news is, you're likely going to get Andrei Svechnikov back, who was able to skate with contact yesterday, skated again today. Brindamore feels hopeful that Svechnikov is going to make his return after he was knocked out by Alex Oveshkin in Game 3 of Round 1. Brindamore is also hopeful that the physical Jordan Martinuk is going to be able to return. So Carolina's getting some players back. They lost a couple. They're going to be without their starting goaltender, but Carolina feels like McElhaney is more of a 1B rather than the second option to Peter Morazic. Carolina's going to get a lift from getting guys back. They're going to have a lift with the home crowd in their favor too. Sell out for today. If Carolina wins tonight, the Islanders aren't going to come back. And if Carolina does win this series, there's a historical aspect to this too that I find fascinating. If Chris Carter were an NA, he'd be the Carolina Hurricanes. Now, what do I mean by that? When you hear, uh, when you think about Chris Carter, or at least when I do, I think is all he does is catch touchdowns, man. All I do is catch touchdowns, Chris Carter. The Carolina Hurricanes. Every single time they make the postseason, they make noise. Every single time the Carolina Hurricanes get to the dance, they're getting to the conference finals. This is the fifth time ever the Hurricanes have made the NHL postseason. The Hurricanes first arrived to the triad for two years in 1997. Their first playoff appearance was in 2000-2001. They got knocked out by Joe Thornton and the Boston Bruins to end that season. That was a first-round loss for Carolina. The following year, they went to the Stanley Cup, won game one, lost the next four, but again, they made it to the Stanley Cup final. The next time they made the postseason, it's the year after the lockout, Carolina, not seen to be a playoff team in 2005-2006, makes it to the Stanley Cup playoffs, wins it all, wins North Carolina's first and only professional sports championship. Major professional sports championship they don't go to the playoffs for three more years but on that third year it's the 2009 run Paul Maurice is brought in to replace Peter Laviolette who led Carolina to that Stanley Cup just three years prior Carolina gets to the postseason beats the Devils in seven games beats the Bruins in seven games they're in the Stanley Cup Eastern Conference Finals and of course They haven't been to the playoffs since 2009. So if they win tonight, I think the series is over. If Carolina advances to the conference finals, the last four times the Carolina Hurricanes will have made the playoffs, they will have advanced as far as the conference finals. That's crazy to me. So that's something we can expect to watch later on tonight. Again, I'm in Raleigh for the Hurricanes and the New York Islanders. It's Game 3 
It's a 7 o'clock puck drop, but we know that puck's not going to drop until closer to 7.30. Your thoughts welcome on Twitter at SportsHubDryad. What did we learn in Oakland last night? Brian Geisinger will be hanging out with us to discuss next on The Drive. Here we go! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub. Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. Brian Geisinger from accsports.com is in with us. And during the timeout, we're just sitting here talking basketball. Many different things, pretty much the same thing we're talking about on the air. We're talking about during the breaks. Vince Carter, he's returning for a 22nd season in the NBA. We'll see if the Atlanta Hawks re-up him or somebody else like the Sacramento Kings did last year. Had me thinking, if he comes back to Atlanta... How fun would it be if Atlanta gets the number one pick in Zion Williamson and you have the best in-game dunker, maybe in the history of the sport, getting a chance to impart whatever knowledge he has on maybe the the future best in-game dunk, dunker and, and, we're going to see. And that, and that John Collins guy from Wake Forest, he can get up there and throw him down too, right? So yeah. they would all, they'd all be there together. So that would be that would be a good bit of fun. Is that the ideal fit, Atlanta? Atlanta, yeah, no doubt. And it's not even just because like the 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 potential to be a teammate with Vince Carter would be the sort of like hypothetical cherry on top. But no, the Hawks are playing basketball the right way. They're from the future. They Every, did, they weren't tanking. Everything, no, they weren't. And and they they. They hired Lloyd Pierce away from the 76ers, first-year coach this season. Everything for them, they played super fast. Everything was They, they play like Houston, man. Everything's a three or at the rim. And Trey Young is going to be – defensively, he'll always be limited, but that guy is – like, he's an all-star at point guard and, like, is a just unbelievably gifted passer and pick-and-roll player. And while he shot a very low number, do you know who was, like, in the company of – Kemba Walker, Damian Lillard, Steph Curry on like pull up threes in terms of like volume this season in terms of three point attempts from thirty plus feet. It was Trey Young. Had to be Trey Young. Trey Young. I mean he they they play fast, they take the right kinds of shots, and they have good young players around like maybe we there's some concern with John Collins' his defensive upside, but Kevin Herter, the rookie they had out of Maryland, is really good and he like he's like baby Clay Thompson out there running around off screens. Kent Bazemore, a good veteran presence in the locker room, too. And honestly, like he'll become a trade chip for them next season probably as well. Um, potentially. Zion. So but, what but, yeah, Zion, Zion would be a wonderful fit there. And uh, you, I just think with the Hawks, you can trust their management and their coaching staff in a way that you can't with a lot of these other teams that are at the, the top end of the, the lottery. The Cavaliers being one of those, yes. the Suns being another. Yes, there's very five, much so there's, the Suns. There's, there's five teams that have more than have double-figure percentage mm-hmm. chance of landing Zion. It used to be the first overall pick had a 25% chance right. of getting um, the mm-hmm. number one pick, but that's changed this year to try and prevent tanking. The New York Knicks had the worst record. They have a 14% chance, the same chance that that both the Suns and the Cavaliers mm-hmm. have, and the Hawks and the Bulls also have double-digit dig- chances as well. Trey Young, he, he he's just victim to what we see in everyday life, how important first impressions are. Mm -hmm. And last summer, when we saw how bad he was in Summer League, a lot of people made snap judgments 
on him. But yeah. then when you look at what he actually did last year, he had one of the better rookie great, seasons. He had a great rookie season. I think it's also a cultural fit for Zion Williamson. Totally. If he goes there, he's not going to be asked to be the savior immediately. There's veterans that are already in place, and there's a big-picture perspective with mm-hmm. the younger players that we've noted. On top of that, Atlanta wasn't tanking to try and get this guy. That mm-hmm. They're a team and a franchise that's been without a star of Zion's caliber in decades, probably going back to either uh, probably Dominique Wilkins mm-hmm. is the last guy who has that kind of uh, notoriety that Zion has coming into basketball. You are listening to the Sports Hub. Ryan Geisinger is here, 336-777-1600, and on Twitter at Sports Hub Triad. We are in Raleigh, Desmond Johnson, and intern Aaron back in our studio in the Triad. What do you got, Des? So uh, I've been playing around with this theory now for about two weeks, and the more I think about it, the more I think it may make make sense for both parties. So I wanted to uh, put this up to you, Josh, and to you, Brian, and tell me if you were the GMs of these two teams, would you make this trade happen? New Orleans sends the 2019 first-round pick they have and their 2020 first-round pick plus Kevin Knox to the New York Knicks for Zion Williamson, which would basically be their their uh, that first-round pick. Uh, wait, I said that wrong. The New Orleans Pelicans would send Anthony Davis to the New York Knicks in exchange for the first round picks this year, next year, and Kevin Knox. What is the fault? What is the drawback for either one of those teams to do that deal? Who says no, BG? Um, could, Josh, could you repeat what? Uh, what really Desmond quickly. Said there? So, yeah. really quickly. It's just the first round pick this year. And let's year. assume. Let's assume. That the first round pick is the first overall pick for the New York Knicks this year. Right. Mm-hmm. Next year's first rounder and Kevin Knox. Kevin Knox in exchange for Anthony Davis. Who says no? Uh, I think. Oh boy, it's tough to say. Um, now keep in mind the Pelicans man, roster I, at I that think, point. I think. Because it works. Because I think New York is so star driven. I think I think the Pelicans would want to swing that more because they got a rebuild on the horizon here, and Zion would be the perfect guy to build, do that rebound, to, to do that rebuild around. So I would say I would say New York, but I, it's 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 I tough think, to say because they're because they're trying to piece together. You know, if they if they think Anthony Davis trading for Anthony Davis is imperative to landing Kevin Durant in free agency or Kyrie Irving in free agency. Then yeah, they they might they, you know they they might be all in on no matter what so they're that's, willing to give up whatever assets, especially since next next year's first round pick if they get those guys may not be that good, exactly. right? Exactly, it would be so towards that, the but bottom. But that's yeah. the trick. That's the trick here. June the twentieth. That's the date of the NBA draft. Yep. You can't make a move on a guy like say Kyrie Irving or mm-hmm. Kevin Durant until July the first. Mm-hmm. So if you're the New York Knicks and your perspective is we think we're going to land. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Obviously, you'd like to add Anthony Davis to try and win now versus having a younger Zion Williamson Mm -hmm. in place. But the problem with that is you can't be given any type of certainty unless it's all done in back channels. The NBA is sort of known for the... You're right, though. Yes, above board, yes, you cannot... But the NBA has certainly found a way. So that would in the be a past, tip. If right? they if they make that trade though, right? If they make that trade, trying to get Anthony Davis and trading the number one pick to do so, Man, that should tip us all off that yeah. it is KD. They have yeah. big plans for free agency, or maybe Kemba Walker or something like because that. Because if you weren't promised, if you didn't have the certainty of landing a KD or Kyrie, 
do you make that trade, BG? Uh, no, because Zion is Zion's too good. You, you would, would want Zion, to however? be good, and I would probably do the same thing. You don't want to bring in an, an, an unhappy Anthony Davis, who we're also mm-hmm. assuming here, if he does get traded to your team, he's going to sign a long-term deal. He has one year left on his contract remaining. You don't want to bring in Anthony Davis, and Anthony Davis what doesn't want to go to your mm-hmm. franchise if it's a rebuild. That's that, not what he wants to th- do. That's also part of it, too. Is It's like if you trade for Anthony Davis, yeah, you're probably likely to re-sign him, especially if all those other pieces fall into place. But there's also no guarantee that he's going to re-sign with you when he becomes a free agent possibly a year from now, too, which makes it even riskier to part with the hypothetical number one pick, especially because, like, guys, if, if you're not, like, guys and gals, if you're not paying attention, this Zion Williamson guy is really, really good. And he's going to be... He's going to be a phenomenal NBA player, and if you move, if you get the right to draft this guy, and you move off that man, you better get a lot in return. You better get a lot. Like you, it's just. Does Anthony it's, Davis it's qualified got, as a lot? Yes, yeah, no doubt. I mean, like Anthony Davis <laughs> is a blue chip NBA player entering his prime. You know, so twenty five yes. years old. Yeah, he's twenty five. Yeah, and with the, again, he's going now. He's the other thing you got to remember too. Anthony Davis is about to become super expensive. Anthony Davis is about to become is a year away from being a guy that's going to make thirty five upwards of forty million a year, and that's the point I'm making. BG which is, is Zion's going to be a fraction if, of that. If AD goes to the Knicks without Kevin Durant, without Kyrie Irving, it's not much different than what we're seeing with the New Orleans Pelicans. We're talking about a fringe playoff team. Actually, they're in the Eastern Conference; they'll make the playoffs. But you're not mm-hmm. talk, talking about a title contender. It's not in the Knicks' best interest to bring in AD unless you know it's Kevin Durant yeah. and Kyrie Irving coming because of what you're mentioning with Zion Williamson, how inexpensive Zion is compared to Anthony Davis and also the upside if it is, in fact, a rebuild. In year one of his rookie contract, Zion will make basically around $8.1 million to you know probably in the $8.4, $8.5 million range. Anthony Davis is going to be... Well, I mean, he's probably probably in like the upwards of the high twenty millions now, and that's only going to go up from here too. So yeah, and it's going to go way, way, way up because he agreed to this extension on the old CBA. So um, yeah, like that has to factor into it as well too. The only thing is, it's like again, if you're bringing in those other guys like Kyrie and, and Durant in, you know, Anthony Davis is on their age curve. You know, I know Durant's a couple years older than those guys too, but. You know, Zion's 19 years old, you know, which is great if you're rebuilding, right, and building around him. That makes him, like, literally the perfect piece. But if the if the sort of, like, imperative is to win now, maybe, yeah, you would want to have Anthony Davis more than him. Although I think Zion is going to be a winning basketball player the second he steps foot on, on, on an NBA surface, too. Yes, Dad. So it sounds like you guys are saying that right now at this moment you would take Zion Williamson in the NBA over Anthony Davis. Do I have that right? Only, only, I don't take Zion Williamson if, if I have the understanding that I'm going to have other superstars alongside Anthony Davis. It's, you're, you're asking, would you want Anthony Davis to play for my team over Zion Williamson right now? Sure, I would. But I would want AD in a situation where I could actually win a championship mm-hmm. right now, considering how expensive he is and the contract. 
um, his contract status, which only has one year remaining on it. Zion Williamson's cheaper and has an incredible upside, and you know you're guaranteed to have him for five years. So, so if 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 I'm let let's say let's make it local. Let's talk about the Charlotte Hornets. If if I had the option right now, AD or Zion Williamson, I want Zion Williamson. And by the way, the Hornets one percent chance of the hey, first pick. There we are. That's right. One percent chance. So you're telling me there's a chance. There is. You could tweet us at Sports Hub Triumph, Brian Geisinger again at bgeis underscore bird. Before we let you go, give me the aside from the Olympic dunk, which has seemed to be the best dunk maybe in game in the history of basketball. A lot mm-hmm. of people believe that. Vince Carter memory that sticks out to you the most, either college or pro. Oh boy, uh, the college ones are I'm a, I'm a little too young for for those to sort of like have like a salient. Had a couple of. against Wake Forest, that but, stick I, out. but but obviously I remember the I do better remember either whatever it was the '99 or the 2000 dunk contest where he's competing uh, with Tracy McGrady. He's throwing him alley-oops in it. But, like, I remember having a poster on my in my room as a kid of him doing, like, the it's over signal thing. But also that's the same dunk contest, the arm in the cookie jar, the the spin move from out of bounds and, and windmill and slamming it too. Like, that will always stick out to me, as will, like, the 2001 playoffs with him coming back into graduation for UNC and then going and playing in a playoff game too. There's a lot to say with Vince. And one last thing I'll mention on him too, and this is not, this is like, this is this goes to show you, yeah, he has all the flash of a, of an amazing superstar, but this guy was more blue collar than I think you would probably would have envisioned him to have turned out being. There are not a lot of star players that are cool with reinventing themselves as role guys late in their career. Some are, some aren't. Vince was more than willing to do it. And it's allowed him to play for over 20 seasons. It's allowed him to make even more money. And it's allowed him to be this amazing ambassador and, and like coveted small asset for NBA teams still in 2019 going on 2020. Like, it's crazy. BG, appreciate you being here, buddy. No doubt. That's Brian Geisinger of ACCSports.com. Coming up, the ideal scenario for the National Hockey League. We'll be sharing with Darren Vaught right here on the Sports Up. What is going on? What is going on? Talk. You're on the drive with Josh Graham. The The Sports Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. It's gonna be May. You got no choice. It's obligatory. May the 1st. Need to get some Justin Timberlake and NSYNC in your life. Darren Vaught. Looks like what... A Backstreet Boy would look like in 2019 or a member of NSYNC. We're sharing with Darren Vaught. Let's start the sharing sesh with, were you more of a Backstreet Boys person or an NSYNC guy? NSYNC, hands down. Wow. I was an NSYNC guy. Why? What differentiated them? They were different, right? I think Backstreet Boys, as far as boy bands were concerned, they were just kind of like the baseline. Every now and then within sync, you got some variants. You know, J. Tim obviously has elevated himself to a level beyond any of them. None of the Backstreet Boys elevated themselves Correct. in the way JT did. And I loved Chris was the the white dude with the dark hair, but he dreaded it out. Chris was your favorite NSYNC NSYNC because member? he was eccentric. I mean, he just happened to be the one that like fell off and got. I like into JT the wrong and stuff afterwards. obviously JT's great, but Lance was probably my favorite. JC Chazé, oh JC Sache, whatever. <laughs> Can't even say that name. JC Chazé, very Chazé. talented 
member of NSYNC as well. Had a but I prefer Backstreet Boys. I, I get it. I mean, I get it. I, I don't get offended when people tell me that. I do. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to continue the segment. Des, split the tie. Backstreet Boys are NSYNC. Oh, NSYNC, definitely. Backstreet that a boy. Boys. Yeah, that a boy. Backstreet I mean, Boys, to me, always Jeff. came off as that group for like the 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 older fan that wasn't letting go of being like oh, a team, you know but, i can see that but in sync was more like the the newer better singing better looking version of backstreet boys so the carolina yeah. hurricanes <laughs> no, they're in action tonight <laughs> the action can we talk about how criminally underrated o town was the hurricanes wow. are at home tonight against the islanders <laughs> it's game 3 we're going to be at this game and the best case scenario for the NHL in terms of a Stanley Cup matchup is something involving the Boston Bruins. Among the best historic first eight, first six, excuse me, franchises, the Boston Bruins, they're that. That's what you want if you're the, uh, if you're the NHL. But the Bruins, they're down two games to one to the Columbus Blue Jackets who won last night. So if it's not Boston, I think your next best option, believe it or not, this this bunch of jerks, the Carolina Hurricanes. The Canes, they're the best story in sports right now. You've got their first playoff appearance in 10 years. 60-1 to 1 odds preseason. Now they're plus 450. No stars. New ownership. New front office. First year coach in his first head coaching job. And he's also a recognizable face and recognizable nose in the NHL <laughs> in Rod Brindamore. <laughs> All of that just for that joke. I wish that was more appreciated. But he also happens to be the guy who lifted the Stanley Cup for this very team the last time they did it. This team, they're they're 22 years old and they have lineage. Yeah. It's a franchise that's 22 years old and has lineage. That's crazy to think about. Here's what it's going to be like if the Hurricanes go to the Stanley Cup. It's going to be just like when Nashville made it to the championship a few years ago. Made it to the Stanley Cup. Minus the catfish. I don't know what we would throw on the ice that would be our delicacy in the way catfish oh, is God, apparently are. It has are. me worried for Hamilton, the live pig mascot. We have <laughs> Hamilton. I'm worried what happens to Hamilton after the season ends. Right. That guy deserves a pardon in whatever happens. The way that the president <laughs> pardons the turkey, we need to pardon Hamilton. Make sure he doesn't end up a brisket. Yeah. Got to sure. be careful with that. So we can't throw Hamilton on the ice. Is there anything else we can throw out there? Maybe some barbecue, which I think is disrespectful to Hamilton. Yes. If I'm being frank. Uh... Maybe don't throw anything out on the ice. Just yeah. have Hamilton decked out there, rinkside, <laughs> intimidating the opposition. But the other thing Nashville had, country music. So the anthem became a thing a few years ago. Who was going to come out and sing the anthem? It would be Trisha Yearwood. You would bring out Garth Brooks. Star country music musicians would come out and sing the national anthem. It was a really cool deal. The Hurricanes had the siren. That's going to become the who's who. Who do you bring out? You got to bring out Zion Williamson. Bring him out for so the Stanley Cup So he can destroy it so that no one may ever sound the siren again. If anybody's going to break the damn thing. It's going to be Zion. It's Zion. It's going to be May. <laughs> It might. Then you got to bring out Roy Williams. Get Coach Williams out there. He'll be fired up, ready to rev that thing up. Get Cam Newton. Yeah. Cam Newton on the siren. Steve Smith. He's been to some Hurricanes games. Get Steve Smith on the siren. 
This is what the NHL has in North Carolina that you don't get at other places. It's non-traditional, but it's also been such a long time that you're introducing national audiences to a non-traditional fan base, something that just looks different. But on top of that, the people who are actually embracing it haven't seen it in such a long time, so it's it's going to be exciting. And I think that translates over the television. It, it translated for the Nashville Predators, and I think it would translate for the Hurricanes too. I think there's an argument, this argument, to be made that the Canes in the Stanley Cup final would be more beneficial to the National Hockey League than even the Boston Bruins. I think anytime you've got your your oldest, best franchises in, it's good, obviously. But this is the story of, this isn't just a team coming out of nowhere. This is a team that has had all of these things happening all season long to create this storybook fashion in which its season has progressed and progressed and progressed. And it's one thing, then the other. It's it's Tom Dundon buying and and ceasing football operations for the AAF all simultaneously while doing this. That was a huge headline. It's Rod Brindamore, the former player, getting his first chance as a head coach. It's injecting the, the team with some energy and his same work ethic. It's the bunch of jerks. It's it's Don Cherry and and uh, uh, other media pundits pundits coming out against the team and, and their, their, their ethos. I can hear Don Cherry reacting... He might be sleeping right now. I don't know if he's awake at 3.56 in the afternoon. It's probably nap time for Don Cherry and him being the curmudgeon that he is. But him hearing the Carolina Hurricanes would be better for the NHL getting to the Stanley Cup final over the Boston Bruins. I, I don't need to ask him whether or not he agrees with that assessment. I already know that he hates exactly what you're talking about. He's the one that started the bunch of jerks thing. In fact, let's hear from Don Cherry. If you forgot what Don Cherry said months ago, which led to you seeing all of these t-shirts with bunch of jerks on it and the team really embracing what's now their motto, just being a bunch of jerks. This was Don Cherry on CBC's Hockey Night in Canada. So why are you mad at... All right, now listen, let's listen. This is the National Hockey League. Brenda Moore is a good coach. He play. These guys, to me, are jerks. You have to do this in the National. They're still not drawn. This is to me, and I'll tell you one thing, they better not do this in the playoff. What I don't understand is Brenda Moore is a street shooter. He always was. This is a joke. The, you know, the rest of the guys, young men expressing themselves for joy of winning. You don't do this thing in the net. It's professional hockey. What are these guys, the jerks or something? And I'll tell you one thing. They do this in the playoffs, making fun of the other team. But nobody's out on the ice. The game's over. I admit, I always liked your theory of when you celebrate when you win only. Uh, that's why you like Muhammad Ali, whereas uh, Sugar yeah, Leonard did the before. Now, you don't. If you want to do it, do it before. But wow. that, that is absolutely ridiculous. I know the rest of the people. I know all the broadcasters and everything are afraid to say something like that. They're jerks well, doing it. I like it. I know you. Well, you're <laughs> lucky. I, the weatherman. You know what I mean? I know what I'm talking about. You never do anything like that. They're still not drawn. They're a bunch of jerks as far as I'm concerned. It's still funny. It's still funny months after the fact. I just want you, Des, to find the one point where he gets flustered and says, these guys, he's mad at them, expressing themselves, being happy inside. These young men expressing expressing themselves. That's right. If you can find that bit, that's all I want from Don Cherry. I really want that piece of audio. 
this needs to happen. The Hurricanes need to go to the Stanley Cup because here's what people need to realize. Don Cherry broadcasts live. He does his broadcast live on site for the Stanley Cup Finals, which means he would have to come to North Carolina. He would have to be rinkside for the Hurricanes in the Stanley Cup if they were to advance that far. If they get there, what's the play for Don Cherry? Because he's going to be public enemy number one. Hurricanes are going to have a bunch of jerks t-shirts. The move has to be for him to embrace it. Maybe even before the Hurricanes getting to the finals, wearing the bunch of jerks suit, uh, shirt. But if he's actually, he wears these outlandish suits for people who don't know who Don Cherry is. The move to me sounds like Don Cherry, the first time he appears in front of Hurricanes fans who want blood, who are just bloodthirsty trying to get back at Don Cherry, who called them a bunch of jerks. Don Cherry needs to get a fitted, specialized suit. I assume a lot of these are fitted, specialized suits anyway, and have just the bunch of jerks logo embedded through the entire thing. That would be the right move for Don Cherry, to have a bunch of jerks suit made for Game 1 or Game 3 of the Stanley Cup Finals. You are listening to WSGS, Winston-Salem, WCOG, Greensboro, WPCM, Burlington, and... WMFR High Point. This is the Triad Sports Hub. Come on! This is the Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. We're sharing with Darren Vaught. He's from the David Glenn Show, but he's popped into our studio to hang out with us. Every single week, we get nostalgic with baseball. Darren's a big baseball fan, a baseball nerd, if you will, and we pick a team. And we're not looking for the best players, say, 20 years ago, a time where we were nostalgic about baseball. It's crazy to think that the early 2000s, that's 20 years ago, essentially can, now. Can I, can I make a quick interjection to Please. nerd out as a producer? Des, what was that bump? And again, hit me in the chest. I, I like it. I actually played it earlier than I wanted to. That was Osley Brothers' Voyage to Atlantis. Oh, there you go. Making a note of that. <laughs> Use that as a tease as well to tell you that in 10 minutes, I will be listing off my top 10 islands in honor of of Hurricanes Islanders game three tonight in Raleigh. Excited for that. Me and Darren will both be attending this game later on tonight. But back to Darren's nerdiness and our nostalgic for baseball. We we pick a team every week, and we're not looking for the best players from the early 2000s. We're looking for the nickelbacks of these teams. And if you list a player who qualifies for this not the best player, but memorable because we're nostalgic about baseball. You will get rewarded with the following sound. Look at this photograph. There it is. There oh, it is. It's fantastic. <laughs> so we're looking for the nickelbacks for the Tampa Bay Rays, and this shouldn't be hard. Devil Rays. Devil Rays. Devil Rays. It might be ageist of us, but we we our nostalgia is pinned upon a certain time frame. In 2008. That's when they switched from the Devil Rays to the Rays. They're wearing very similar uniforms today than what they started with in 2008 when they made that initial change in logo and change in team name. We're specifically looking for Devil Rays who wore 
probably the worst uniforms (laughs) in the history of Major League Baseball. How would you classify these jerseys? What would you try to, if you're talking to a younger person who doesn't know the Devil Rays, and there's a generation that doesn't. Zion Williamson was born in the year 2000. He would have been eight years old when they switched to the Rays, for example. If you're talking to somebody who's younger, how do you explain how bad these uniforms were? Worse than the team, but then even it and that says a lot. <laughs> that says a lot. But then, if the if if this particular person you're talking to wasn't watching baseball to to realize how bad the team was, I don't know how effective that is. But you know, it, it was they were they actually were trying to be basic uniforms, but with the logo, there was the devil ray, and then this. This mismatch of color. Yeah. This massive color, and it's got a purple, green, green, yellow, yellow, and blue gradient inside of it. And it was horrible. Horrendous. Worse than the team. The reason why we're talking about the Devil Rays, the Rays are actually good. They have the best record in the AL right now. And we've done now, this would be the fourth of five American League East teams that we've done so far, too. To get us kicked off, let's go to Dave and Clemens. You can send in your nominees for the Nickelbacks of I'm the so Devil excited. Rays. 336-777-1600. This is a very good one. On Twitter at SportsUpDry. Dave, what do you got? Dave, go right ahead. All right, Josh. I got two I want to run by you. First one is Rocco Baldelli. Yes. yes! Look at this photograph. Excellent work. That's the first one I have written down. What do you got? What else do you have? Aubrey Huff. Oh, Aubrey Huff's too good. Get him out of here. Thank you, Dave. One for two. That's 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 Hall of Fame numbers. Aubrey constitutes as like you know we've for every for every team we've had a guy who it's like who which of which of the players we mentioned it was most likely to be a member of Nickelback. I think Aubrey Huff might be a contender for that. What's the first name I have written down on this piece of paper? Rocco Baldelli. Outfielder, Rocco Baldelli. Minnesota Twins manager. They've won, what, 8 out of 10? This one's going to upset you, Des. Kenny writes in Fred McGriff late in his career. Fred McGriff? Too good. No, too good. Crime crime dog's too good. You can put a crime dog on there. Too good. I'm going to come in here with Toby Hall, catcher. (laughs) Yes! Look at this photograph! You'll have to go back and look. (laughs) This team was bad. But for a couple years, this guy not only was in the lineup as the catcher, I think he was maybe the only catcher in baseball that was leading off for Tampa Bay. <laughs> Jason Kendall for the A's for a lo- and the Pirates for a long time. Jason Kendall's a good one, but too. That would be, that he would qualify for this game as well. He would. He would. Toby Hall, going to be tough to beat. Same thing for Rocco <laughs> Baldelli. Darren, give me your best shot. Starting pitcher. Tanyan Sturtz. Oh! Is that better than Mark Hendrickson? Uh, that qualifies, so Des, punch it. I think Tanyan Sturtz is better, though. Look at this photograph! Hmm. I have another picture written down. I don't know about this one. <laughs> Rob Bell? Who? That might be a little more obscure. <laughs> Too obscure. Yeah, yeah. Too yeah, obscure. Yeah. What about Josh Hamilton? Nah. No, he got, he He's was good. pretty good, right? Well, He's he only good. was only good for a couple of years. He was great, but when he was with the Ray, Devil Rays, a lot of a uh, lot of drug problems, a lot of the, drug problems. Is that the beginning or at the end? Beginning. Very beginning. He Very was drafted beginning. by the Devil Rays. Nah, I mean, he ended up. 
Nah. Nah. I don't think nah. you can put him on there. How about shortstop Julio Lugo? <laughs> the giggle says it all. Would work for the Astros, and I will probably bring him up when we use the Astros in this game. Julio Lugo's great. <laughs> Good yeah. double dip. How about Jim Morris? He came up on the uh, on the David Glenn show today. Too. From the rookie, Dennis yeah. Quaid yeah. in 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 the Dennis rookie, Quaid Jim Morris is a Dennis Quaid is the Nickelback of Hollywood. Yeah, so like, hit it, Dennis. <laughs> Look at this I've, I've never heard the Nickelback of Hollywood used before. Dennis Quaid, <laughs> I think, is the Nickelback of Hollywood. Uh, sure, right. No, he's and had he some was, good roles. He was playing for the Durham Bulls in the uh, in this movie, The Rookie, yeah. and then he got pulled up to play for the Devil Rays. He's got that new movie coming out, uh, The Intruder or whatever. Probably really bad. It looks I good. Know, no, it looks he good. also was in a movie that, <laughs> A Dog's Purpose, which we all know what the movies are trying to do there. Uh, they're going to kill the dog, and yeah, it's just going it, to be horrible. It's going to be disastrous. He was Carlton, Carlton writes in here, Duke alumnus. Quentin McCracken. Yes, that was the <laughs> Quentin McCracken. That's how we play the game. That's fantastic. Zach, how about Rolando Arroyo? He does qualify. I mean, he, he, he never wore he never wore a Rays jersey. All Devil Rays, All awful. Devil Rays. And he is memorable because how many Rolandos are out there? Or Rolandos are out there. A lot of great names of guys that, to me, just kind of, like, were mushed into the same category. Ben Grieve. No. What? No. Ben Grieve. Not going to give you that. Yeah. Why? He's, he's not good enough. What is good enough? <laughs> like, I, I, I right. swear the goalposts right. move obscure. every week we do It's this. obscure. <laughs> it, is, it is pretty it's, obscure. It's, 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 you didn't give me Rob Bell, and he was in the starting rotation for a few years. That's fine. I'm not going to I'm not gonna I'm give you grief. the worst team in baseball. Yeah. <laughs> Gerald Williams. Okay, Gerald Williams. Yeah. That's definitely a nickelback. See, now, now you're starting to understand what we're trying to do here. What about Victor Zambrano? Wow. Oh, before his Cubs game. Yes. No, 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 no. You're thinking of Carlos Zambrano. Victor Zambrano. No, you're right. Carlos Zambrano would be no good. Victor Zambrano. He, I think he was the ace of a staff for a year. My apologies. Victor Zambrano. I think maybe he might have gone from being an ace for the Rays to not pitching in baseball altogether a year later. The Rays, the only team in the year 2002 or whenever that was, that that could be possible. How about Esteban Yam? Yan. What? I guess that means he doesn't qualify then. If I I don't know how to pronounce your name, Mike wrote that in on Twitter, that you you don't belong on this list. All right. Let's finish out while we're on top. Let's go out on top with Esteban Yam. Give me a good one. And I said Yam purposefully there. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) The second time I did. Second baseman, Brent Abernathy. Thank you. Excellent. Excellent work. I'll list off my top ten islands next on The Drive. This is The Sports Hub at AM 600, AM 920. Serious talk. Talk, talk, talk. (laughs) And I like it. Now back to The Drive with Josh Graham. In honor of Game 3, Hurricanes Islanders tonight, I have a list of my top ten islands. You could tweet your guesses in at Sports Hub Triad. I'm getting some good ones via text. Darren Vaught 
says he doesn't like this segment that we do. It's one of the most popular segments, or at least one of the most polarizing segments, because my mentions light up, my DMs with radio and media members light up, wanting to add to this list each and every week. It's one of the most fun things we do, in my opinion, and I say that acknowledging some of the other fun nonsense that we do on a regular basis. All right. We're both going to be at this game tonight. I'm excited. You have a Carolina Hurricanes polo on. I've got one of our Sports Hub polos on. I'm going to be working. You're not. You're going to be sitting with DG right on the glass. Not working. That's correct. That's uh, that's what I was motioning. Sorry. Fair. <laughs> what? Interrupted your flow there. Sorry. Do you guys have any guesses written down? Don't tell me what you got, but do you have anything written I've, down? I've got a couple. I will say... Some, a category like the rappers was a little bit easier to, to to predict some of the things that you might have, even though I was not very successful predicting them. Um, I don't know that I could come up with ten of my own for this, so I'm I'm a little uh, intrigued with what you have. Here. Des, what do you think? I've Intern got, Aaron, I've got. Do you three, have any idea too? I've got three written down. Aaron walked in the door with one. I was like, oh man, that should be number one. And I don't know if you even have it on your list. Yeah, so. if it's if it's not number one, I'm rioting. Yeah, we're protesting. We're burning it down. No Number pressure. ten. All right, let's oh, wait, uh, let's get this thing. I need. I totally forgot how we're how to do radio for a segment uh, for a second. Uh, to set it up, I want to keep letting people in on how things happen. We we threw some music against the wall, and at first, our, someone in our own building, Heidi Pratt, who we all love, she initially responded saying, "God, that music is terrible. That is bougie music." And we've embraced it, and this has remained the music we do for this segment uh, since we started doing the top ten list. Wait, so <laughs> on that note, it's time for my top ten islands. I mean, have we embraced it? I mean, you kind of just included all of us. <laughs> Strip on down and soak into a little bit of this. Strip on down. Strip on down. Uh, Number 10! Peter Morozik is not dressing tonight, you might have heard. So he's he's ahead of us. He is stripped on down. Number 10! My number 10 island. Gilligan's Island. That was on my list. Pretty straightforward. No, it. It's it. a what? great hour of television. <laughs> what was it? it? Gilligan's Island and Love Boat? I want uh, puns! I think that was together. It was one hour of television. You could get Gilligan and Love Boat, that was if back, I remember correctly. It was like back in the 70s, man. It's a while ago. <laughs> was number was nine. Ago. My number nine island. Howie Long Island. Aaron's <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, go ahead. Give it to <laughs> Is that the best long to go with here? Uh, better than Chris? Better than Kyle? Better than Jake? There was a Terrence Long who used to be a Tampa Bay Devil Ray. There was a Justin Long that's an actor. Justin Long's terrible. <laughs> what? <laughs> he hasn't done a movie that's good. Waiting. How did he end up Except a lo- How did he end up the love interest in a movie with Blake Lively? Oh man, one of my favorites. What movie was that? Accepted. Oh, that's right. Oh, Blake that's Lively's right. That's like, a, that's not a bad movie. Yeah. Yeah. There was it's a stretch fantastic. of my life. That's the movie that you turn on when you have a girl coming over to your place. You're just hanging out. You're like, you, you want to keep watching this? You can't choose a good movie that'll rope you in for two and a half hours. It's just like, 
at the halfway point when Blake Lively's starting to figure out what Justin Long's all about, you're just like, eh, are, are you into this? No? Well, maybe we can uh, hang out somewhere else. Are you Number giving, eight! Are you giving away your secrets? That used to be my secret, secret. back when I didn't know what I was doing. You upgraded. My number eight <laughs> island. Number eight on my list. Bora Bora the Explorer. <laughs> that doesn't even make any sense. That's not even an island. None of this makes sense, Des, but that doesn't even make sense for something that doesn't make sense. Bora Bora the Explorer? Does it make sense? I think it's pretty self-explanatory. Just let it go, Maybe Josh. I'm just stuck in a nostalgic <laughs> baseball mood. I wanted to go like Melvin Mora Mora. Bora Bora is an island. Bora Bora the Explorer? Number seven. It's horrible. It's awful. You like the first two. Yes, yes, this, specifically the third, awful. Darren actually asked for the wordplay. I heard him. He's like, I want the puns. I heard you in the background. This is what what happens. Number seven. (laughs) Bill Russell Stover was the best one that that didn't get a ding. I'm still mad about Bill Russell Stover. three months ago. You can add Bora Bora to that list (laughs) now. The wall of shame. No, Bora Bora the Explorer can't can't hold... A candle to Bill Russell Stover. Let's be honest here. Bob Ryan agrees. Number seven. (laughs) My number seven island. Islands in the stream. That is what we are. So we're in between. I I liked it better when it was the Wheel of Fortune answer. Great karaoke song. Of course. Hey, what are you doing? Want to play... How about we get on stage? I'll be Kenny and you could be Dolly. Wow. I went in the stream. Let's go. You're just giving away all the secrets today. The first two are free. The next you're going to have to pay. Like a week and a half. Two weeks ago. Two weeks ago. This guy got asked by some woman's husband. Hey, she's obsessed with this Star is Born song. And I don't want to be Bradley Cooper to her Lady Gaga. Will you sing karaoke with her and sing Shallow? What? Josh got asked to do that by the the, the I, woman's husband. I've told this story to many people <laughs> afterwards. The, the follow-up question that people had after each time is, did they ask you to do something else afterwards? <laughs> right, <because> then. <laughs> In case you're not following, that's me insinuating that that guy also asked me to have sex with his wife. Number six! My number six island! Wow. <laughs> Martha Stewart's Vineyard. <laughs> That's not... Ugh. I, I don't know. Uh, Martha's Vineyard is an island! All right, calm down. I gave it <laughs> And Martha Stewart, you know she has a great vineyard. That fits in two ways. What's that supposed to mean? Martha Stewart, she she knows good v- wine when she sees it. Ah. Right? <laughs> number five. I'm, I'm just going to let that sit. I'm still on My number five <laughs> island. Me too. <laughs> My number five island. Kauai Leonard. Kawhi Aaron, Leonard. There's a, way, there's a better way to have done that, but I see where you're going and I like it. Kawhi Leonard is fantastic. Kawhi. Even Aaron gave you a, a, a nod of approval. Yes, yeah, pretty no, good. I like that. I like that. It, I, it plays better written out. So, like, when you tweet this list, it's gonna it's gonna be it's gonna look better than it sounded. But Kawhi Leonard, I like it. <laughs>
Number four. My number four island. The Lonely Island. Mm. Dang it. I meant to put that on my list and I didn't. Do you have a favorite Lonely Island SNL digital short? Me? I'm on a boat. That's a classic. Classic. Uh, I told yeah. you this before. Uh, the the one to Mahmoud Akhmaninejad. Iran, so far away. With mm-hmm. uh, Adam Levine and the kids at the end singing the chorus. I can't say the title of two of my favorites. Ah, mine too. <laughs> two of my favorites. Uh, oh, no, Something no, no, involving pants and yes. another involving a box. Yes. Say, yes. That, the latter, probably number one for me. Number two, now that I think about it, I'm the boss. Yes. Oh. I'm a boss. <laughs> number three. My number three island, Muhammad Bali. <laughs> Aaron didn't even give it hesitation. He, this is a boxing dude over here. He's just like, nope. Muhammad oh, Bali? You nope. guys take that back immediately. Can we retract Muhammad it? Bali's been the best one on the list no. so far. Aaron, not budget on that. Why aren't you budgeting on Muhammad Bali? Can't let you play with that man's name like that. You he played with his shit. own name. <laughs> <laughs> he played with his name. <laughs> what are you talking about? Can't play with that man's name. He played with his own damn name. I'm putting we, some respect on Muhammad Bali. I don't know if we can retract. Can we retract one? We've never done that before yes. in the history of this list. Can we retract First a bugger? for everything. That, that's good. I mean, Aaron's like, no go. I'm, I'm indifferent. I don't know. Number two. <laughs> my number two island. He's going to be mad the rest of the day. <laughs> Coach Cayman Islands. Nice. That's good. Ah, yeah, okay. <laughs> that's well done. <laughs> That's a great vacation spot. The coach came in islands. You you can't stay for more than one year, but you can you can come visit the coach came in islands and find yourself in the NBA soon after. Number one, my number one island, Revis Island. Yes, fantastic work. That's what uh that's what we thought should be number that's one. The, the most predictable one on this list, which is why it's number one and why you also got the dings. I get it. I get it. This is the second time you've been underwhelmed by what's number yeah. one because it's the <laughs> obvious choice. You like having a little bit of surprise there. I resist convention. What what else do you think should have been on the list? I think Tony Parker's Island. As in Harker's Island. That's Shadow terrible. Bank. That's really bad. <laughs> Charlotte Hornet. That's a pretty bad one. It's in North Carolina. That's an awful one. What? What about, <laughs> what about the Mark Turgeon Islands? Wow. I like that. I can't believe I didn't think of it. The Mike Tur- uh, the Mark Turgeon Islands. There was some on the outside look again that didn't quite make the cut. The St. Lucia Doncic. St. Hmm. Lucia Doncic. Was on I the outside like looking one. in. I like that. That's actually pretty creative. Yeah, I would have. I would have gave you one. Pretty good stuff. I still have people who are sending me. You didn't have Devil uh, Rays. <laughs> you didn't have Fantasy Island. No. Or Gullah Gullah Island. Yeah, I had Gullah Treasure Island. Island on the outside looking in. Bora Bora the Explorer. Yeah, but no Gullah Gullah and Island. No Gullah Gullah Island. <laughs> Did you do the thing I did as well, where Damn you rolled shame. an A instead of an ER at the end of Explorer? Yes. Yes. I think that's how you have to say it. Bora Bora the Explorer. <laughs> yeah, that's how it has to be done now. Point. All right. The drive, by the way, brought to you by our friends at Pie Guys Pizza and more. Pay them a visit. And Clemens, get yourself the Graham Slam. Why? Because I said so. It's, it's tasty. And you got chicken and bacon and 
hot sauce on top. It's delicious. Pie Guys Pizza and more. PieGuys.com as well. Visit them. Kinnaman Village Commons in Clemens. Darren, thanks for being here, buddy. You got it. Go Canes. That's Darren Vaught. We share with Darren once a week. Up next, ESPN's answer for Monday Night Football and a sign of the times. This is The Drive. Come on! Let's go! You're on The Drive with Josh Graham, the The Sports Sports Hub, at AM 600, AM 920. This past season, we were the triads home for Charlotte Hornets basketball on the radio. The new voice of the Charlotte Hornets was announced yesterday. John Fokey is his name. And I looked at the press release. They had a headshot of John on there. And I realized I recognized him from somewhere, but didn't realize from where. And then it hit me last summer. This guy, who was working with the Minnesota Timberwolves radio network, was the voice of the Minnesota Lynx and the WNBA as well, was named the 2017 National Sports Media Association Minnesota Sportscaster of the Year. And I actually had lunch or coffee or something with John Fokey there, and that's where I recognized him from. So it really is a small world, and this is just a recent example of evidence uh, of that being uh, of that being so, John Fokey now joins us here on the drive. We have the Greensboro Swarm right in our backyard, and a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans in our audience. John, congratulations on getting this opportunity to be a voice of an NBA franchise. Was last summer your first uh, first visit to North Carolina? You know, I I think it was uh, definitely to that area. You know, we actually uh, my wife's brother was living in Charlotte at the time, so we flew into Charlotte. Spent uh, a day and a half or so there before we headed out to uh, to the conference there where I ran into you. So it was definitely my first time in that area. I may have been near the coast at some point, but um, I, I would definitely say that's the that's the first time I've been in that area. And you've been doing play-by-play for a very long time now, looking at your resume. It reminds me a little bit of my start back when I was doing play-by-play. I was in a small town of 2,400 people in Colorado called Ray. And I broadcasted every sport under the sun, but there were many instances in high school where they didn't have up-to-date press boxes or anything of that sort. So you had to get a little creative with the broadcast setup just in order to get on the air. Now that you're the voice of an NBA franchise, which in a way in that sport is the height of luxury from a broadcasting perspective, I want to know what the beginning looked like, what what your least glamorous (laughs) broadcast location looked like. I mean, there were so many of them, Josh, as you know, and, and I started out calling high school sports and uh, in a town of, in southern Minnesota, is a town of about 20,000 people, and, you know, you're talking car rides of three hours to get to certain places and broadcast perches or, you know, especially doing hockey. Hockey, it always seemed like uh, you were in kind of in a corner up in a crow's nest. I mean... I remember one time I was at uh, at a hockey game and the the teams were warming up and I was behind the net, kind of up in the corner. And this was back like we didn't have digital stuff at the time. We had what was called a Marty unit, which essentially was like a giant walkie-talkie uh, back to our studio. And I had to carry this massive box. And I was sitting behind it, kind of going through my notes when uh, one of the hockey pucks that the guys had shot during warm-ups caromed off the top of the net 
and smoked my Marty box right in front of my face. And I was just like, oh, my gosh. I mean, that could have been, you know, I could have been walking out of there with a black eye looking like I played that night. Instead, we just had a big dent in the Marty box uh, for the rest of my time down there. But, you know, it, it wasn't just unique spots covering high school sports. I mean, uh, in covering the WNBA, uh, one of the things that we had to do in order to get those broadcasts on the air was I was the engineer on the road. And so I had to bring all my own equipment. I had to set it up. I mean, there are many times where you're in your suit ready to do a game and you find yourself scrambling under the bleachers trying to get the connection right or tracking down people in the bowels of Madison Square Garden or Staples Center or you know, this past year, uh, the New York Liberty moved out to Westchester County, I believe. And, you know, we're in this little, uh, I don't even know what it's, uh, I can't remember what it's called, but it, it was about a 1,500-seat arena with a stage on one end, and we had to run like 300 feet of Internet cable just to get a network connection to get out. So, you know, there's there's challenges at, at the high school level when you're calling their, those games. There's challenges at the college level when I was calling those games, and, you know, there are challenges right on through at the WNBA and the NBA level as well. I mean, we had some unique situations, uh, not only at Target Center, but also on the road doing Timberwolves games where you're just, you know, trying to make everything work and at the same time trying to make it sound like nothing's wrong. So uh, fun challenges along the way, I think, that build character, but they also, you know, test you in, in how you handle adversity and how you operate under adverse conditions. So certainly a lot of fun, and, and we've all had those challenges. And uh, it's, uh, you know, I'm just very excited to have this opportunity to, to join the Hornets organization. Follow the new voice of the Charlotte Hornets on radio, John Fokey on Twitter at J.W. Fokey, F-O-C-K-E on Twitter. To actually look at basketball, I'm interested in what you make of what we saw last night. It's the Houston Rockets, it's the Golden State Warriors, and Golden State goes up two games to nothing. It seems like to me the two things you can't do in today's NBA, especially on the road, is turn over the basketball and allow offensive rebounds. And Houston was poor in both categories. It gave Golden State 20 more possessions and I think was the difference in the game. Looking ahead now, Game 3 is Saturday in Houston. The Rockets are down 2 to nothing. How concerned are you for the Rockets? Well, I think, number one, a lot of it depends on you know James Harden. Uh, listening to the postgame from last night where... He talked about he could hardly see, and as his vision was blurry and not sure uh, what it's going to be by the time you know they get to that game three in Houston. So I think first and foremost, you know, so much of what Houston does runs through James Harden, and you know he was great this year. I, he was great last year, and so I think a lot of it depends on what his status is, how healthy he is, and then it goes back to what you talked about. I mean, uh, the offensive rebounds are killer, especially, I mean, you know, the way teams are shooting threes this year. Uh, I know back in Minnesota when, when Tom Thibodeau was the head coach, he always called them dagger threes, and that's an offensive rebound kick out to a guy stepping into an in-rhythm three, and, and it just it's become such a part of teams' offense. I mean, watching that game last night, there was a stretch in the first quarter where you know, both teams are coming down, playing at a frantic pace. Uh, they were missing a lot of threes, but then suddenly, I think it was Golden State, uh, you know, misses a three, offensive rebound, kick out, Durant, three. Uh, back at the other end, Houston, uh, offensive rebound, kick out, somebody hits a three. And then all of a sudden, it was like, uh-oh, now it's on. So, you know, defensive rebounding is key in any series, but I think especially in a series involving these two teams where 
there is just, you know, so much firepower and so much great three-point shooting, and then also guys that are used to putting up a lot of threes and, and don't mind if they miss. So I think you're, you're absolutely right in the sense that offensive rebounding will be a big key moving forward. You're going to learn how unique this, this area is in terms of a basketball kind of state. Obviously, there's a lot of Charlotte Hornets fans. You're the new voice of the Hornets. John Thoke's with us, by the way, here on the Sports Hub. But, of course, you have the college scene as well with Duke and North Carolina, NC State, Wake Forest right in our backyard, too. And where they both overlap is with Zion Williamson being a big part of the national conversation. You were with the Lynx and with the Timberwolves. I remember at Cameron Indoor Stadium this year, Tyus Jones, the brother of Trey Jones, Duke point guard who played with the Blue Devils, of course, and won a national title. He told me Zion is somebody who's discussed more than probably any other active player in NBA locker rooms. People are talking about Zion. They're excited to see where he's going to be. They view him as the next transcendent talent coming into the sport. There's five teams that have double-digit odds between 10 and 15% chance of landing him. The Knicks and the the Knicks, Cavaliers, and Suns have 14% chances, and the Hawks and Bulls have a little bit more than 10%. Out of those franchises, where would you most like to see Zion Williamson play, John? Uh, in the Western Conference, since, <laughs> since, since I'll be taking over Colin Hornets games. Uh, I think, you know, he's, he's definitely going to be, uh, as Tyus said, I mean, a transcendent talent. The guy's incredible. You know, it was amazing watching what he did and with the final four here in, in our backyard in Minneapolis and, and the ties between Tyus Jones, Trey Jones and, and here in Minneapolis. I know there are a lot of folks who were really hoping that Duke was going to be able to make that magical run and, and kind of give Trey uh, maybe a chance to to equal what his brother Tyus did, and to do so in his backyard. So there were, there were a lot of disappointed folks when uh, when Duke got eliminated. But I mean, when you look at all those teams, like I, I look at it more as uh, you know who maybe who needs him and and what is the fit. And I think all those teams that you mentioned, I mean, any team in the NBA would say uh, we need him, and we'll find a way to make it fit. But I think of those teams. You know, Phoenix has got uh, DeAndre Ayton, and, and where their biggest hole is right now, uh, looking more so at the, the point guard position. And so, would he be a fleet? Could they find a way to make it work for sure? Um, uh, Chicago, again, uh, you, you could use him in the front court, and certainly I think he'd be a fit, um, and, and certainly a place of need. New York, I mean, they could use, uh, you know, anybody. I mean, when they're, they're where they're at right now and what they're trying to do in, in acquiring talent. So, um, I, I really feel like New York and Chicago are probably the two places where you look at it and say, hey, uh, need, needing an influx of talent, and certainly Zion gives that to you, uh, an influx of star power in those markets, and, and again, Zion gives that to you. So, um, I mean, any team would be happy to have him. I think any team would find a way to make it work, even if they feel like they've got uh, someone at that position right now, but you know, I think New York and Chicago. It, it would be interesting to see if he landed there and how he would change the trajectory of those those two franchises. John Fokey with us here, new voice of the Charlotte Hornets on Twitter again. You can shoot him a follow, and it's at uh, J W Fokey F O C K E on Twitter. I, I'd imagine in your childhood. In your professional life, your name has been mispronounced 
many different times. <laughs> I hope I'm hope I'm even saying it right. I've I've I think I, I've nailed it here, but I want to know is there a funny circumstance where your name has been mispronounced that stands out to you? Well, I mean, you are saying it properly, so uh thank you for that. I think the funniest thing was over the weekend, we were at the airport, my wife and I, and, uh, you know, as you go and scan your ticket to get onto the plane, they, they say, like, thank you, you know, Mr. Anderson, thank you, Mr. Johnson, thank you, Mrs. And I, I turned to my wife, I said, okay, you go first. And she's like, why? I said, because I want to hear them try to pronounce our name. And, you know, they're like, thank you, blah, blah, blah. And, and my wife scans the ticket, and they go, thank you, miss. <laughs> and I looked at her, and then I scanned my ticket, and the same name popped up, and she just goes, oh, dear. <laughs> and I was like, it's, it's Folky. And she goes, oh, thank you, Mr. Folky. Uh, so, I mean, that, that does tend to happen, you know, more often than not. And, and obviously, it's, uh, you know, it's a bit of a challenging name, but I think the, the Hornets did a good job spelling it phonetically in the press release. And so far of the, of the shows that I've joined in, in North Carolina, the folks that I've talked to so far, everybody's, everybody's nailed it. So uh, really appreciate the job that the Hornets PR staff did in spelling that out phonetically. And, you know, hopefully uh, as you start to see it more and more, it, it becomes, you know, more and more familiar. And, um, but, you know, I, I'm certainly used to it, it being mispronounced and, and certainly expecting it too. Well, I, we, we hope that we get to hear your voice a lot more often. We count on that as well, and that name as well, John Fokey. And uh, the door is always open for you to come down here to the triad. We certainly love to have you and love to have you on this show moving forward as well. Congratulations again, John. Very happy for you and your family and look forward to chatting at a later date. Thanks for doing this. Absolutely. Thank you. And, yeah, feel free to reach out anytime. I, I'd love to you know, connect with you guys and uh, certainly excited about, you know, getting to know the area and, and getting to learn more about the G League uh, affiliate there and, and just really, you know, diving in and getting to work once we get down to Charlotte. You're the best, man. We'll talk soon. Take care. That's John Fokey joining us here on The Drive. J.W. Fokey, F-O-C-K-E on Twitter.